Welcome to the APL show. This is Adam Botsevsky speaking here, and with me I have my co-host. Hello. This is Richard Park. <laughs> and before we get to the main subject of today, which is going to be Primitives Extravaganza, we'll just start with just some short announcements. Um, Richard, you want to say something about APL Seeds? Yeah, so um, Dialogue hosts an annual online free meeting for new and prospective users of APL mainly, although anyone is welcome. Um, this year it's uh, almost a month away, so the afternoon of the, well, depends on your time zone, doesn't it? So <laughs> 22nd of March, uh, Wednesday 22nd of March, starting from 2pm UTC. So I'll leave that to exercise for the reader, for the listener or watcher to figure out when that's going to be for you. Um, you Wait, can go, we'll, we'll it's, it's actually two, two o'clock UTC or is it British summertime? That is a great question. Which would be UTC plus one. It, it says on the, um, on the schedule. Anyway, the schedule is up on the dialogue website. You can find it there. I think it's actually British summertime. It says UTC on the site. It does. Whatever. Uh, we'll put a link to that and uh, you can look it up. This turned out more complicated than I thought. Is it going to be a late one? We'll see. <laughs> um, when it comes to. So, we, we, you know, we have a series of, of uh, talks. Myself and Adam will be speaking about yeah. some sort of basic APL stuff. And then uh, we also have a couple of presentations about. Uh, topics regarding doing real work in APL, you know, it's a question we get a lot about, you know, they see a lot of cool, fancy little problem solving noodly examples, and people wonder like, well, can I actually use this thing to do real work? And so we've got a couple of speakers who are going to uh, talk on that as well. Yeah. Um, and then, and then afterwards, there'll be a kind of casual zoom meetup. So you can come hang out with us ask questions, talk about APL and array language stuff. Should be fun. We are the APL show hosts. Ask us anything. <laughs> Actually, we'll be the, the APL seats presenters. Ask us anything. Yes. Speaking of which, we have now a proper website. It's apl.show. And uh, there isn't a whole lot of content there, but we do have some links to things that we speak about. So you can find those there. And you can also contact us, and that's via the email contact at apl.show. We'd especially like to hear um, what you want us to speak about, what you want to hear about, and what you want us to do on this show. Oh, and then we got some feedback from uh, from Connor Hextra on the ADSP, the podcast podcast. <laughs> And where it says that we shouldn't, some people are listening to this and some people are viewing this because the, the video is available on, on YouTube, but then you can also uh, now get this as a podcast via lots of major podcast providers. 
But for those that are listening, it's a little bit hard to follow if we're just speaking about code uh, and that we are showing on the screen, but that they can't see, especially if you're not even speaking out what the code is, just saying, oh yeah, look at that, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we should yeah, probably try down. to avoid that or at least speak out what it is. Yep. So with that, let's try to speak out. So we're going to speak about these primitives. That's the idea. And um, at least in the APL world, I think people put a lot of significance to how they look as well. So we'll do our best in describing how they look if you're not showing them. And I thought about an interesting introduction to this is that constraints can uh, foster creativity. So they and, say, yeah. Yeah. That's what they say. At least I, I find so. I, I love going into a kitchen that has very limited amount of, uh, or and a limited set of ingredients and then figuring out you're going to make dinner. We have to only use these ingredients. It's also really useful, isn't it? Because otherwise you can get kind of choice paralysis and you can be, right. you can have too much and you don't even know where to start. So it's, right. it is good to have these sorts of constraints that uh, force you to get into problem solving mode. Yeah, just look at all the problems people have when they have a genie in a bottle and they can wish for anything. Once you have some constraints, you can't wish about love, you can't wish about... <laughs> then, then it gets a bit easier. Um, <laughs> and so uh, if you look at the, at the major APLE raid languages, um, right. they each seem to have, even if it's not really official, it seems to have some constraints as to uh, the vocabulary of, of primitives because mm. otherwise you could have um, as many primitives as you could think up right? and there are code golf languages there where they well if they because they also have constraints actually you can get back to that where they have lots and lots and lots of built-ins or uh, you could have languages like mathematical warphone language that has uh, a built-in for everything um, but so it seems to me that the constraints at least have become for APL that we want to be able to type these glyphs on a normal keyboard. And every normal key, meaning a key that normally would produce a character of some sort, can in addition produce two special APL characters. So normally you have like a, a shifting key or a prefix key. And if you hold or press that, and then you press the normal key, then you get some symbol. For example, uh, you have some key for that. They call it the APL key. And you press that with E, you get an epsilon. And with shift E, you get epsilon underbar. And once every key has been given two different symbols, plus maybe some of the ASCII symbols you can type directly on the keyboard, then mm -hmm. the vocabulary is full. We can't add anything more. And that, I mean, that was the in perspective. one of the... Um touted one of the constraints they talk about with uh with k right right it's supposedly uh is basically deciding oh we've only got the glyphs that are on the ascii keyboard so that so that's what we've got i mean as a result there i think there's like a lot of overloading even more than the two for apl isn't there sometimes well, it's not just monadic diadic overloading, but yeah, they have type. Oh, I guess you're talking about the symbols, whereas then, yeah, the, the arguments or whatever, the, the context. Yeah, APL doesn't generally do that uh, to use the, the no, well, I mean, I don't think no, it ever we do, because we've got these operators where they have slightly different 
uh, well, that, depending on if it's arrays or functions. Yes, but that is the that is not a difference as to uh, a value of an array. We never or the, which particular function is it a monadic function or is it a dyadic function? It's just function or array, which are entirely different syntactic classes in APS. Yes. Whereas in K, it will you could have a primitive that acts entirely differently depending on whether it is uh, given a character argument or a numeric argument. Yeah, that will not happen happen for primitives. It could happen in APL for system functions, but not yeah. not for primitives. An example I think is in uh, in K is. There's an overload between base conversion and text splitting and joining. Oh, okay. And so if it's character, then you split and join on, on this separator. And if it's numbers, then it's encode, decode type of thing. Right. We would not do that in APL. So, but the, the, you have to do that because there are very few ASCII symbols. They don't use any names for things normally, um, other than the user, what the user defines. So. Um, they do it like that. And then there are a couple of uh, uh, things that have two characters each. But basically, uh, it's just the ASCII symbol set. And in, in J, kind of uses the same, but with the added thing that any symbol can take either a dot or a colon after it, which makes it into something else. So that right. just triplicates the set. Yes. Um, and then they've started doing things like dot, dot, and dot, colon, colon, dot, whatever, <laughs> colon, colon. And of course, they could keep going forever, but it gets, becomes unbearable at the end. <laughs> well, like you said, you want the constraints so that you're not... Yeah, uh, although choice. K7 did add, at least briefly, uh, some Unicode symbols for certain things. But there was very little and brief, and then they went away again. Almost regardless of the uh, the way the symbols are constructed, the way that you choose for it to be expressed in terms of actual like text on a page, mm -hmm. um, you also have to choose what concepts you're going to assign to those primitives, which is obviously more important. I think most people would agree. Right. Um, uh, and and then you have to. There's another consideration, really, which is uh, how much can people remember. So the constraint for for code golf languages, languages that are constructed not for practicality but for writing code as short as possible, they often compete on byte count, and so they will use every sequence of uh, of bits in a byte to represent some built-in. Um, and so there, the constraint will be to have 256 symbols that most of them are, will, are primitives, but some of them might be syntax. Um, and sometimes some of them are reserved as prefixes to get something else uh, mm. further, just like the dual symbol things you have in K and J. Even in APL, actually, there's a couple of those. Mm. Um, but practically speaking, how large a vocabulary should you have of distinct symbols? That's another consideration. Yeah, BQ has got a nice page on this. Yeah. Marshall's got one called "What is a primitive?" Well, okay, that discusses uh, you know what should be in the core set and what should be considered not. Yeah. And then you just because obviously the point of the language is you can build up uh, you know other functions and expressions. So that's the other constraint is it needs to be at least a minimum uh, set to be able to construct all 
everything else. <laughs> anything you need. Completeness. I don't know. Uh, no, because that you can do with a Turing tarpit, right? Oh yeah, just you could something with just a couple of. I mean, yeah, you could even say. Well, technically, that's the minimum, right? Is it? Yeah, but but if you express assembly language in binary, then you only need two symbols in order to be <laughs> to do anything you want. And right, that's... exactly. So okay, there's a minimum usefulness that you have to one that's a bit fuzzy. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's one of the two really quite distinguishing things between the so-called Iversonian array languages is what have they decided is the minimum set. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and then we can we can look at our language bar, our language bar of various APLs, and they've got like eighty something symbols, something like that. Yeah, they many of them mean different things in different contexts. But I actually thought about uh, an an interesting parallel, which is our Latin lang based um, Latin script based languages. Yeah, or I think it even applies to to uh, Greek and Cyrillic as well. So you've got uh, twenty six plus maybe a few minus a few uh, letters and 10 digits and then you got maybe like 15 punctuation marks or something things like you know come up dot dashes and question marks and things like that hmm. um and then all, all together it will be about 80 symbols but they take hmm. on different meaning in different contexts right yeah. Even even in English, obviously the letters themselves can have different sounds and different contexts. And some of them, if you put two of them together, then they mean something else. Um, and the punctuation as well. There's a difference between two point five, and you write it as a number, and at full stop at the end of a uh, of a sentence. Yes. For example, um, and uh, dashes can be used for either conversation or to make a pause, or parenthetical and things like that. So I, I just find it interesting that. That kind of amount, about eighty or so mm. distinct symbols, whereas I think a lot of people hold that uh, the number of symbols that are in certain East Asian scripts are uh, too, too large. Yeah, because there's it, tens of thousands of individual it, ones. It puts a barrier to fluency in the reading. Right, it takes long. Yeah, but then some of those are like you know obscure words and archaic things and you know that, that's harder i think to compare because you know you're talking about like the word vocabulary rather than the core set so like because those symbols are actually made out of uh what they, they're called radicals radicals are like the individual like little constructed pieces i'd actually be interested to know how many radicals yeah are, i want I to know that too. a lot fewer uh i might look up we have technology um <laughs> 214 no, two, radicals oh yeah we just googled it <laughs> he's quicker, <laughs> quicker than me 214 radicals that's still a lot more than 80 um yeah but not, not a huge amount more right it's the same order of magnitude and they also uh compose in ways that are very different to programming language primitives sure but so do the letters of human languages yeah right no that i mean that makes sense that kind of size, and that actually fits with those code golf languages that have 256. Oh, yeah, else, yeah right? that's true. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of the, that's probably the amount of things that humans can keep track of. Otherwise, you start, things start getting really blurry. <laughs> ah, how many primitives are there in J? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> New book. Yeah.
don't know if there is a count of this. I don't know. We haven't written anywhere on the APL wiki, have we? Like, APL has this many primitives. <laughs> no. So there are four in each group here. Oh, it says the row, row numbers here. So there are... Uh, so this, what does it say? This begins with zero up, up on top. I can share my screen if you want, but there's 42. So this ends up with 42. So there's a, approximately 42 times three. And so that's 120. Yeah. Approximately. It's not exactly. There's some groups of it. It's a little bit more. But it's, again, the same order of magnitude. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I think it would make sense for things to converge like that. Yeah. If pe people are using something. K probably... I mean, K is less, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you could possibly say with the, with the overloads... I know it's a bit unfair because you said... We also don't know what the... like. So the way a... The uh, concept becomes a primitive in APL. There's obviously the original uh, papers and, um, you know, the original uses of, of like Iverson notation and things like that. But, uh, and that's kind of an interesting story in itself. But beyond that, as it's sort of developed and evolved, and especially the way that dialogue has added primitives, and I suppose probably the way JS as well. I think BQN's been a bit more set from, it's not old enough to have, they added primitives since uh, it came out. Yes, but very few. Um, I think that maybe possibly only one. But typically, at least for the ones that um, Dialog has added, uh, I don't know, over the last couple of decades, decade and a half, something, um, there's already a commonly used idiom or construct that's a little well yeah be an idiom for apl a little phrase that does something and then it turns out people are doing that quite a lot so um it would make sense for it to to become a primitive and it evolves quite naturally that way obviously it's much harder to think of that ahead of time it's one of the arguments um against the fact you can't assign symbols is that you can't then play with the language very easily to develop your own ideas. Obviously it'd be confusing if everyone had <laughs> different definitions for uh, primitives, but um, what I mean is when we're talking about this called vocabulary as well, when you'd say like K has less, I wonder, K has fewer primitives, but I wonder how many things are like very common little k and q patterns that people use so often that it might as well have been a primitive ah i see oh yeah sure uh like um i don't know if this is the right these are the right words but like select where in in apl mm. we have uh we have replicate or compress right that takes a boolean mask or actually a count per element and then it's it, you can use that to filter out uh, and filter in elements or for that sake, make copies of them. That doesn't yeah. exist in K. However, uh, it does have the function where, which we now have in API as well, which takes such a Boolean mask or counts per element and and makes that into indices. And then you mm. can use those indices to select from the array. Uh, 
Yeah. So putting those two together, if I understand it right, is an extremely common thing. So much so that people just read it as. Do that makes sense to me that 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 would happen in that case, and then they go, "Well, yeah, so you don't need it, except for." Um. Yeah, it depends on your array model or whatever performance reasons, but it's not yeah. you know when you're designing the notation initially, then should try not to care about that as much because you're just trying to make something pleasant and useful. Interestingly, uh, Iverson and Whitney uh, wrote a paper called Practical Uses of a Model of APL, where they had a um, an APL system they would start a, f a function called uh, Delta APL, and then it gives them like a fixed session that mm -hmm. al allowed assigning primitives, um, defining things so that they could experiment with things. Yeah, so I know you've got extended. What does vision? This so is the same, same engine, the two okay. of them. Okay, but they don't allow, so these are two um, sort of APL applications that let you define uh, new primitives as symbols to experiment with, but I don't believe they let you assign symbols in the uh, REPL for it, do they? You um, have to sort of define them outside and then start your REPL. Yeah, not not directly. You can't just say, you know, some dollar sign gets something. Yeah. But I think actually if you if you define the way it works is just it has some a, a pattern that it detects in certain functions and if you, i think if you define a function using that same pattern it will pick it up and it just works but that's more like fell out of the implementation of my oh, okay. cheapo in implementation rather than being the other thing i was wondering if you just have your page of definitions on one side if you just stick one in could it like hot reload or yeah that it... that it can for sure though it, it, it dynamically loads the definitions it, oh, okay. it, it's just a trans uh, what is exactly? Uh, I guess a transcription scheme. So it just yeah. takes all the symbols and then replaces them with calls to the functions that are the cover yeah, functions for that. That's, um, and then and there's a comment on the first line of each function saying what symbol it represents. It just reads that. Um, but so now we've, sp we've been speaking about these constraints. Um, hmm. And I think the constraints are a good thing. But what if we didn't have so many constraints? Or let's say <laughs> there are still spaces on the keyboard uh, that we could could fill. What we would we want to have and uh, that we don't currently have? As so you've mentioned, uh, extended a, a dialog APL and the APL vision, and which are these repositories I created, including some models so that you can actually play with the definitions um, of extension potential extensions to dialog APL. And interestingly enough, it had to when we, you spoke about allowing assignment to, to symbols, it would be annoying if then the symbol later gets a uh, another meaning, which is exactly what happened with my uh, extended dialog APL. I had given meanings to the monadic forms of, of all the comparison functions, the scalar comparison functions. Okay. And then dialog version 18.0 <laughs> came out and gave meaning a different meaning to one of them, breaking my entire scheme. <laughs> so it's not... a monadic not equal, is it, for yeah, um, that... unique mask? Exactly. Uh, and Which then... It's a, a Boolean mask where a one is the first occurrence of a, a given major cell. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, which means if you take that mask and use it with compress on the original array, you get the unique. Yeah. And I had now, given. Now that we have that, we don't need unique. Sweet. Let's just. <laughs> that well, that's interesting because I I asked Roger Huey about that, and he said that you, uh, that you would still define unique even with that. Yeah, that was a weird one. With um, sorry to go on a tangent before we come back to what we'd like, but <laughs> I guess that's what this is. Um, but learning that in K the max and min are overloaded or not overloaded but the extended domains of uh logical or and logical and for boolean domain it's the other way around no that, uh, yeah, well, they, 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 they don't they <laughs> don't have and and or they only have max and min and they use those for oh okay i thought or. you meant i got the the respective uh ordering of oh. them the wrong way around i can't think off the top of my head hold on you can think through it so if one or zero that's going to be max okay yeah because the highest one is one and if you order them together you get one um but whereas in apl the extended domain of uh and or an and so that is the other way around yeah. is um greatest common divisor and lowest common multiple yeah uh for integers but they both they both work in that way like they both when you take down when you take those two set pairs of concepts down to the boolean domain you get logical and logical uh, except for the identity element the identity element of or and um, is one meaning if you combine one with any boolean uh, values, then it stays the same. And identity element for and no, sorry, for or is zero, and for and is one, right? Because because if for for or, if you say one or one, that's one. So you kept the original one. One or zero, and then and it's, you stay with one as well, right? But if you have so the value is zero, zero or one. Then you, it always becomes one. Zero or zero is zero is a zero. So for I think that's the same because if you do zero max one, you should get one. The identity would then be zero. Uh, negative five. Oh well, okay. That depends on how you. Uh, yeah. But it's 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 also worth it. Also, it should be the lowest. It should be negative infinity. Yeah, negative infinity. infinity. For, for maximum and, and minimum yeah, is maximum okay. in, in value or, or infinity. Um, and for and, right, it's it's one because if you combine one with one, you can stay with one. If you combine one with zero, you, it stays with zero. Um, so that doesn't quite fit. No, and that's related to when you do reductions on an empty uh, array. Empty array. You know that BQN uses a uh, yet another extension to and and or. Oh no! It uses it uses uh, statistics, so uh, or multiplicative uh, fuzzy logic. So and is the same thing as times, which oh, is the Boolean domain as well. I forgot there's this one as well. Yeah. And then and then there's uh, De Morgan's <laughs> laws. They say that uh, that or is and under not. Mm. So and. That's right. So and if, and not can be defined as subtracting from one. Okay? So one minus one gives zero. 
one minus zero gives one. <laughs> and then you can and and but then it works out nicely for probabilities, right? If there's seventy percent chance of rain, then there's thirty percent chance of not rain. So that's one hundred percent minus that. So one hundred percent is one, right? So one minus zero point seven is zero point three. Um, and with that together, oh right, and then you can say if there are, if there are fifty percent chance of of rain and fifty percent chance of me carrying an um uh, uh forgetting my umbrella, let's say, then there's 50% of 50%, 25% chance, and get I'll get wet, right? <laughs> and, and then, right. and then you can, so based on that, not being one minus and, uh, and being multiplication, then you can define the entire set of, uh, and of Boolean logic that way. So that's another um... extension. That one does fit with the, um, identity element. So. Yeah, I see. Pretty nice. That's quite funny. Well, uh, uh, yeah, so you, you just, you, um, expressed De Morgan's law of Boolean mm -hmm. logic using one of the, one of the primitives that, well, but this is, yeah, one, <laughs> of the interesting. one of the primitive, I know, I just, I've just, I've thought three steps ahead and now I have to backtrack <laughs> to, to express it using my mouth. It's very, <laughs> well, that's a constraint of human language that I find frustrating. Yeah, Can we not, when, when a telepathic podcast coming out, then where you just, where you just click a button and the entire, um, experience of having listened to it, uh, manifests in your being like instantly. Or at least speaking in parallel would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Let's start. <laughs> we have a, we have a way, but you expressed the Morgan's law uh, using one of these, you know, we, you sort of mentioned a while ago. What if we had, uh, you know, what's another lift to put on the keyboard? What's another concept to have? And this uh, idea of under uh, being quite a general concept. This came up in the APL farm what, a little while ago, maybe a month or so. Uh, and then Mon responded with a, a blog post on the dialogue blog. Um, where, so under is this concept that's really nice and quite general because uh, you said, or is and under not? Mm -hmm. um, so this is a. a I'm trying uh, to remember if there's a because I know that there's an extra not on everything, isn't there? That's exactly what it is. If it's on, if so, it's not the left argument and not the right argument, and then not under. But then you have not all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what under does. Oh, uh, also, also yes, yes, because well. not is his own. In inverse, inverse exactly that. yes uh, i see um so under under is this primitive that it does exist in in j actually a couple of them exist in bqn as well um i don't know if it was, was it ever implemented in any apl other than these models i'm not even sure not a, not a sharp maybe sharp I, APL had some stuff that you think, i don't wow, think that was pretty i don't think forward so for the time uh, let me let me check I don't, but I don't think it does. Uh... I know they had like rank, for example. But uh, yeah, all right. While well, you Google that, under um, allows you to basically do an operation in a different domain to how you to how you have the arguments already. Um, so. Sometimes it's easier to do 
to express some idea um, in a domain or representation of your arguments that's different to the one that you've already got. So you would apply some function to your argument. So imagine this is dyadics. You've got one on the left, one on the right. It doesn't have to be in principle, does it? You could just apply it to one. But you are going to apply some function to those arguments, and now they're in this other domain. Then you're going to apply your other function, your sort of main process function. And then you want to undo the transformation that you did and get them back into your original domain. So the um, common mathematical example of this is um, says exponentiation is addition under logarithm, which you learn in school using the like e to the power of notation with the literal letter e and a and a number in the in the corner, and you have e to the x e to the y. Am I using the right example? You want the other way around, right? I'm you going, want to take the, the, the the you want the logarithms first. So if you want... Oh, that's you, right, yes. You it's... want to multiply two numbers, so A and B. So you take the logarithm of A and the logarithm of B, add them together, and take E to the power of that. That's right, yeah. And I think, I think it's not, not at all obvious from that notation that what you're doing is this dual or or under because it's, there's nothing in the letters ln and e or, <laughs> or for that sake uh log and 10. or even uh, the relative uh, positioning yeah there's nothing right there there have been some proposals of like using some triangle notation for, uh, That's for, right, yeah. for these things but as it stands today there's nothing indicating that these two are inverses of each other or have any kind of relationship at all actually in the notation though no. you just sort of have to learn it yeah um and then the the non-mathematical example is like, or there's, there's a few of these, but um, Roger Huey apparently liked uh, surgery under anesthesia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, put someone under, uh, cut them open, shuffle their gubbins around, and then, and then bring them out of anesthesia again. That last part is important. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people don't make it that far. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's equivalent of hitting an error in the, in the <laughs> in left the... upper end, right? Uh, <laughs> execution stops. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. But we could, we could have an example Major of this. Crash. Right? Uh, I'm getting, get, oh, go on. Well, I was gonna, the other one's getting food out the fridge. Yeah, so you open the fridge door, take the food um, out, close the fridge door. Yeah. Um, Although... I, I, the only problem with that analogy is that you don't really do the transformation on the food. You're doing the transformation on the on the fridge, and then you're yeah, applying that, the that... function to the food. No, 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 no. It's the fridge that's the subject here. I'm working on the fridge. Oh, so it's remove it's under remove open food. door. Yeah, remove food under open door. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. I'll buy it. It's important to close the door again, though. The fridge is that I still think it's a slightly less of a strong analogy because... When you go to get food out the fridge, you care a lot more about the food in the fridge than you do the state of the. Okay, so how about organizing your fridge? Right. Okay. Re reshuffle. You really can't do that with a door closed. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can shake it, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that, anyway, that's me being. So, so an example <laughs> of of doing this with the under uh, on on the if you take the the statistics thing, let's say we have twenty percent chance for of A and fifty percent chance of B. 
So then there would be 20% or 50% or 0.2 times 0.5, and that's 0.1 chance of both of them happening together. What's the chance that one of them will happen at least? Hmm? So or this or that inclusive mm. and or so you start by negating them or that's subtracting them from one, right? That gives you zero point eight and zero point five, and then multiply them together. That's zero point four, mm. and then subtract that from one zero point six. The sixty percent chance that at least one of them will happen. It's mm. pretty nice. So that's so that's under that would be. Uh, a primitive that a lot of people ask for. And yes, I, by the way, I looked it up. It did exist in, in the very sure. last Sharp APL. In the well, there you go. They had yeah. it all. With dialogue, <laughs> Dialogue's journey is just slowly recreating Sharp APL. Not really. It did have some issues that, uh, and, and which they also has kind oh, of. With their unders. I mean, we also have this that it's not like. Um, We've actually described two unders even in our even our examples and analogies in that i'd say the this one about probabilities um and the logarithms and stuff that's the mathematical definition so you're applying these functions to numbers transforming the, the domains of the numbers and transforming them back the fridge example is definitely a structural under no matter which way you slice it <laughs> um you know you're you need to apply some function to the structure of the fridge, remove elements, or reshuffle items, which is a structural operation, and then and then put the structure of the fridge back. We, uh, we can have an example of this would be, let's say you have the alphabet, which uh, is available in APL, many APLs at least as quad A. So that's just uppercase alphabet from A to Z or Z, depending where you live. Mm. Um, let's say you, you very much the remove food under open door type thing. Uh, if we do three drop under five rotate, okay, so um, five rotate mm -hmm. on on the alphabet that takes the first five elements and rotates them to the back. So now we have from F to Z and then from A to E. Yeah. Then we drop three from the beginning. That's F, G, and H. Now we have I to Z and A to E. Mm -hmm. And then we do the inverse of five rotate, which is equivalent to negative five rotate, but you can actually also write it as using the power operator. Okay. Um, and that rotates those last five elements back again. So now you've got A to E, I to Z in one vector like that. That's three drop under five rotate or yeah. remove food under open fridge. And that's an example that works nicely. The thing in the where it's like, it's fine. And most of the examples are fine, aren't they? Where you've got the same, where, where structural and uh, can be defined. Ah, so that's Expressed whole... in terms of the like, existing inverses in, in dialogue APIs. Yeah, that's, that's a whole different uh, question, actually. We all agree that it would be nice to have this primitive. The question is, how exactly should it be defined? I, yeah, so having this conversation now makes me think, like, in my heart of hearts, <laughs> I'd probably really like it to be just one thing. Uh, okay. Um... No, I know that, you know, it's very convincing and it makes a lot of sense that you'd want the separate um, structural definition because of it. But that's only because of it, edge cases or behaviors of existing structural primitives. I'm not so sure anymore because, so let, let's explain because not everybody has heard about this. Let, let's explain what the difference is. So we have the concept in uh, of an inverse of a function. 
some functions are their own inverses, like we saw with uh, negation. Negate. Well, yeah, negation and and boolean negation, right? boolean not, and also oh, oh and also yes, reciprocal, reciprocal, monadic divide, and, 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 and reverse, and, so and on. even uh, minus, right? Minus and even conjugate and mm. transpose. So lots of things of their own inverse. Their own inverses, right? Um, and then there are some things that form pairs, like we had logarithm and uh, exponentiation. exponentiation. Yeah. Those are inverses of each other. Uh, increment and decrement, if they exist, are inverses of each other. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to uh, array programming, things like inclose and disclose yeah. are inverses of each other. Um, and there are... Well... Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily that you can start by disclosing and then enclose back again. But if you start by enclosing, that's, yeah, that's because of a, that's because of an overload of um, first and uh, first and mix and, and disclose. Yes, exactly. Um, the thing is, so, so signal that. Yeah, yeah. There, there are things like that that where they they form pairs for each other, and and famously, uh, a Fourier transformation and the inverse Fourier transformation <laughs> form an an inverse pair. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Makes well sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you want to call them? <laughs> um, yeah. Also, oh, of course, in trigonometrics, we have uh, lots of these pairs, right? The sine and the arc sine. Right. Yeah. Cosine and arc cosine, tangent and arc, yes. and so on, and the hyperbolic ones, and the, the loads of these you can do. Um, also, we will talk about exponentiation and logarithm, but, but also uh, monadic forms like square. And square root. Yep. Although for negative numbers, you don't, you don't get back to the where you came from. But... So we got so we got things that their own are their own inverse. We got some nice pairs. Yes. Um, and so so one definition of under is, uh, which is by the way not how, uh, Sharp APL defined it, but that's going okay. to go with it for now. That is, you apply a pre-processing function to mm -hmm. all the arguments, whether it's one or two. Um, or I guess if you had a language that can have more than one argument you, to all of them, <laughs> and then you apply a main function, you could say, or an inner function, and then you apply the inverse of the original pre-processing function as a post-processing step. Yeah. So we had with the rotation and the dropping, and we start by rotating five steps, and then we do the main function, which is just dropping three elements, and then we rotate back again. The inverse yep. rotation is backwards rotation. We could also have done it with reverse, right? If I had done three drop under reverse on the alphabet, then we yeah. reverse, we get Z through A, drop three, that's Z, Y, and X. Then reverse back again, we get A to W. Yeah. That's a, uh, it's easy to understand what's going on. And it treats the two arguments, if there are two of them, or all the arguments, treats them identically. And then there's something called, or that we, we call at least structural under, which, um, where the, the preprocessing thing is not something that changes the value, it's something that changes the structure or selection. It's like you're extracting something, doing some manipulation of it, and then putting it back again. Mm. So for example, let's, let, we would say, reverse under three take of the alphabet, for example. Okay, so three 
three take up the alphabet. That's ABC. And then reverse on that. That's CBA. And then, wait, hold on. We can't invert um, the three take. Right? Yes, actually, it, Dialog APL defines the inverse of three We're take. We're just padding with zeros. Padding, well, not zeros, but padding with a Oh, sorry, with, type, yes, whatever. Right? For, for the rank and for the type and so on. So that would give, give us... Um, but that's not the same as, say, you use the at operator to do yeah, so, something so analogously. So, so this would give us this would give us space, 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 right? Because we take three. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, We're doing three no, takes. Three, three. We do three takes on, on alphabet. Rest that yeah. CBA, and then we do uh, three, C CBA three Not neg three take. No. The oh, inverse yeah. of three take, which is what? Three drop? Drop. But it doesn't... Uh, no, no, it's not three drop, no. The inverse of three of three take is... That means, the way you can think about the inverse is like this, is give me an argument to three take such that the result becomes what I now have. Uh, yeah. Right? So given CBA... As a result, what argument would you give to three take to get CBA? Oh, that's, all, that's, that's also CBA. That's it's, yeah, it's also CBA or okay. CBA followed by anything. As a yes, but but then but our system in fact chooses to just do the minimal, and that's just giving CBA. Yeah, I mean that's, I, that's, I suppose I mean, that pro, makes sense. Prolog would agree, right? Yeah, yeah there are infinite <laughs> number of, of correct results here, but let me choose just give the minimum one. one. That's, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Um, and and so that's one correct interpretation of reverse mm -hmm. under three take the other one is that we the three take isn't uh isn't really a transformation of the original data as much as it is a zooming in on the data so we we zoom in on the first three elements mm -hmm. of the alphabet yeah. reverse those cba and then zoom back out again yeah so now we get cba and then de and, so and that's reverse at if at could take a structural function, it would be at three take, but you'd actually just have to provide the indices or the Yes, yeah, so the at operator can do this like this. And and the at operator is uh it's actually two different subsets of the structural under. It's the uh, because the at operator, as we spoke about these types thing earlier, uh it can take uh it takes some modification function or even the value substitution substitution values. And on the left, and then on the right, it takes either an array of indices or a function which returns a Boolean mask. Yeah. Either way, it selects a subset of uh, the actual argument. So if you did, um, if you did reverse at, um, and then the array one two three on the alphabet, then you would get uh, this. I'm, I'm, I'm out here sat thinking. I'm like. God, well, it would be nice if you could do at three take. Yeah, and it did it, but I can see why implementation wise, that just sounds it sounds hairy. Of you know, no, we can't do it because head. because it's already defined to do something else. When it takes a function, any function, but you could get weird with it and say, well, if it takes these function, if the oh, function returns you... a subset of the array itself, if but it you an... you wouldn't know, right? What if the array is one zero one? Yeah, you know, I, 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 like I said, I believe it's a pipe dream. Yeah, but it, no, this is so. I, yeah, you know. the at operator should have been structural under. But there's a there's actually an interesting 
thing then going on here. Okay, we did rotate. Sorry, uh, reverse under uh, three take. What about rotate under three take? Okay, so rotate is the adic function. So you can actually do this with that. Well, so that's uh, you could do one. You should just get rotate. the last three elements. Oh no, rotate. Oh, sorry. rotate. So one rotate. Yeah. At one, two, three. Okay. So, so the so we we select those three elements of that cycle ABC, them around. and then yeah, then we do a one rotate on it that gives us BCA, and then they go back into the place where they came from. Right. Yeah. That's what the adverb would do. But Under. what's interesting here is that the three take, which was our pre-processing pre done on the alphabet, which was the right argument, mm -hmm. was not done on the one. Because right? if you do three take yeah, on one, yeah. you get a one zero zero, which is not meaningful to rote uh, as a rotation amount. No, I mean, you bind the one to the rotate, you now get a monadic. Ah, but <laughs> but the add operator treats the left argument as bound to the left operand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Whereas then... Structural under and print, or under... Yeah, structural under. structural under would also have to either do that um, or allow preprocessing on the left, which arguably is not very useful no. because the, the two arguments have a different nature. The argument that's being modified is the one on the right. Yeah. Not the one on the left. How can you see this? Uh, what if you did, um, let's say you had the lowercase alphabet on the left and the uppercase alphabet on the right. And you said left or left tech, right? the left function, the function that just returns the left argument. Yeah. Under three take. Right? So now we're zooming in, right? Because it's it's under, it's structural. So we the first three letters are on the left, lowercase ABC, on the right, uppercase ABC. Then which so those become arguments to the function left. Left yeah. chooses the lowercase, and that gets put back into the right argument. So now you get lowercase abc, and then the rest of the alphabet uppercase. But that means that the left uh, argument was it's like a, kind of a parameter, and the right yeah. argument is the main thing. But for, for the computational under, that's not the case. They're very different nature. Right, they 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 have they they treat exactly it's it, it is of a different nature because it treats the two arguments exactly the same. Yeah, none of one is the main one, and at operator clearly illustrates this, and that's why at would have been such a wonderful symbol for the uh, for structural under. So you could say one rotate at three take. Yeah, so it's, it kind of implies this. Asymmetry. Anyway, that's there's a lot of talking about that operator. Well, I was gonna say that. Yeah. And and then, sorry, under... if, if you're wondering why, <laughs> why, uh, I mean, there are two aspects to this. One is APL's pretty good, like it's pretty close. So it's a really, it's really, uh, not super common things, and a bit nitpicky, and uh, where you where you have these sort of bugbears or, or wish lists and things, it's quite actually quite hard to think of like, what would you like to add, especially when you're, and then sometimes, you know, in your day to day, you work around things in such a natural way, or you're so used to the way things are that it's hard to imagine. But then the other thing is when you try to come up with a proposal like this, <laughs> for, for some additional change, uh, you know, we're not even close to like resolving or thinking of how you'd actually implement these things. And, uh, we've gone on for a whole podcast episode. Well, <laughs> a good half a podcast episode on just one of the, one of the squiggles or one of the ideas. So yeah. it's not, it's not an easy development process.
No, I think the only solution to that is just adding two different operators, one for the structural part and one for the computational part. Yeah. Um, and, and then stop using add or something. No, I mean, add is nice because it, it does give some notational nicety when when it when you what you want is exactly selection by mask using a function application or indices um so right whereas if you said oh it could be any function the function would select from the array you, you've got that comparison but then you're also adding the gubbins to select from the array however yes exactly then, so i can see that being annoying if it is a mask, you have to take the result of that and use it as left argument to replicate. Actually, and you can always get the equivalence of, you know, reverse under three take by um, just constructing this, you know, or just use one, two, three. There you go, yeah. indices. Yeah, but if it's dynamic, you have to compute it. Uh... Yeah. Is, yes, but that that only works for for pure indices, right? I can't say um, the first of each of the first three elements. Hmm? Now you need the depth operator. Yeah, but with under you can do it. Oh, okay. It yes. will happily just select whatever you ask it to select. Mm -hmm. Right, but add can't do that. Add is limited. It's good for what it does. Sometimes you make some really neat things. When you just want to change the third element into something else, then sure. Um, changing it, I was about to say it's the first element, but that would be really neat in under as well. You just do under first. Yeah. But um, anyway, this is that. That's under. It, under is definitely on on a wish list. Something you would want to have. Right? Yes. But there are other things as well. And and my position is also that for the for the computational under uh the mathematical one, you can always express this that fairly simply just writing out the first oh, yes, the, that way. The yeah. structural one, that's not the case. There it's not so simple to modify your code and to uh, modify your arrays in this way. Mm. Um yeah, you just have to do a couple of steps if you haven't, haven't got one that comes out nicely in at. Should we look at some of the other... Uh, I was wondering whether we things. should save that for next time. <laughs> okay, we'll do a whole series of things we'd want to... I mean, that yeah. was a pretty meaty one to start with, but it's also the one that's like... The one that comes up a lot. Of people yeah, it comes about up it. a lot. Conceptually, it's like, yeah, that would be really nice. Whereas the other ones are kind of like... Well, the other ones I can think of right now that we talk about, apart from the uh, three primitives we've been proposing internally, you know, not just, not just internally. I oh, spoke about true. it at Dialogue Twenty Two user meeting. But you know, the ones that, that are arguably closest to to reality, um, under is conceptually, I think, like the most appealing. You know, you want that. You kind of want that. Apart from for the you know, like urgent. Or, I don't know, it's complicated. The reasons why the ones that are proposed are like they are is because I guess they both are things that we'd quite like right now. You'd quite like that. But also, in terms of implementation practicality, they're quite close to being, they're quite feasible. Like, we, we see a path I, to doing I, them. I think I think it's, it's people want something simple they can actually use day to day rather than something big and fancy. Right? We added the stencil operator lately, 
It does some things really well, but it's very specific what it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and if you're not doing that, then you probably you don't never use it. Yeah. In, and and you could even say that about existing primitives, right? How often do you use the domino symbol or no, quad, quad divide, matrix division, or matrix inversion? Right. Barely ever. And if if at the time they had added the concept of inverse application of functions, they probably wouldn't have added it because it's just the inverse of their Matrix inner products. Yeah, the plus, plus dot times. Nice. So it's, it's literally, if I remember right, plus dot times commute power negative one. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Although then you want the identity matrix for the inverse, but yeah, it's not. Uh, well, the point is you'd, you'd, you'd write it. Well, you might write it as a part of your little maths DSL or something. Exactly. So, we we're talking about, I mean, the whole thing is if a handful of characters rather than one character, but isn't, is it really that often that it comes up? Exactly. That's the other thing that determines what the primitive is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's, I think that's still, even with all those other little things, I think that's enough to, uh, to go on another time, I reckon. Right. Um, do you reckon we've been talking like an hour? I don't have time. Yeah, almost. So let's just let's just quickly go over those three that are presented in uh, a dialect twenty-two. Yeah, uh, so so those were um, the select function, which and uh, it's very very simple. It's just you give it some indices and then it selects those <laughs> from the <laughs> from the other argument. That's well, I guess it it's it's. The gap is the need it was filling, or is filling is. Can you put it this way? Square brackets, you can do all the types of indexing. Well, we, def have... we define three types of indexing you can do, right? The normal indexing, okay. events, then, then the scatter Choose. indexing, and, and reach indexing, right? Right. So that's um, like rectangular sub arrays of an array. That's yeah. the simple indexing with semicolons in the square brackets you've got choose indexing the scatter point which is uh, a nested array of indices and it just picks out individual elements so you have to specify them all down to the um exact address of to the scalar yeah uh, level um and then reach indexing which is going into a nested array so you're not only having the um orthogonal positions in the in the hyper rectangle but also the depth so you can choose the second element of the fourth element yeah yeah and and so uh, those those three so uh, those three different not... ways of using square brackets they don't all have equivalents in using functions and sometimes that's what they... you want no I mean, yes, you can always express them using functions, but they don't have one-to-one, -one, or I mean, they don't have a single functions that do the same thing. They don't thing. have a single function. Do they have two? I know that reach is pick. And no, but no, but only one. Simple is only, only one. Oh, you can only pick one. You can only pick one element. You can't pick multiple <sighs> elements. Right? And that, that's both reach uh, or whatever. It both, um, what's it called, scatter and, and, and reach, but only one. Mm. <clears throat> and, then, and then you can choose... Um. Uh, it's like this. What did you call it? slicing? Right. 
subsets of along various axes. Yeah, that's, that's the simple we, indexing. That's the, in, the first one. indexing, we call it the index function, which intentionally looks like the square brackets have just been squished together. Yeah. So this like tall, narrow rectangle. The, the squad, the squished quad. quad. Squished quad. It's not actually a squished quad. It's actually squished braces, uh, brackets. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just looks a lot like a quad that was squished, yeah. but it's actually braces stuck together. It's actually taller than the quad because it goes, just like square brackets, it goes below the line, oh. possibly above the line because it is square brackets. Yeah. It's just squished together. Um, so, and, and that one can technically do the normal selection thing where you just, you want, this major cell and that major cell, but then you have to enclose the indices because it's it's expecting one list of or uh, one array of uh, indices for each axis. So if you only want to index along the first axis, then you have to enclose it. That's really awkward notationally to do that because yeah. this is something you really want to do very often, and it means that a lot of constructs where you want to use um, a selection like that. And become very awkward because you have to enclose all the time. Um, so that's that's the select function, and yeah. then you mentioned the depth operator. Yeah, the depth operator is just like the rank operator, which may not be familiar to the listener, <laughs> but uh, but what it does, it specifies how much you want. So basically, it it uh, iterates over or recurses over the array, and then applies a function at certain depth, whether it is relative to the entire array or whether it is uh, subarrays that have this particular depth. So it will go down, dig into the array until it finds things that have that depth. That's really useful for um, for various... I like, I like the... Abilities. I think maybe you were describing this to Silas or something, but like the... Oh yeah, because he was asking about Trav. And it's... um, So you express the depth either as from the outside of the whole array, how many levels in, or from the deepest node, how many levels out? It's not the deepest node, but from every node. Oh, from every oh, node. Right. Any, 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 any leaf node. Because you'd have it locally here in the array, you can right. have it a, a shallow uh, part, and then over somewhere else you have it more deep. Um, but it will be relative to those depths. So it'll be some kind of let's like say, the seabed, you know, levels. Yeah. Let, let's say we have a, a giant down. array of text, but it's not uniform right some where let's say it's a big matrix with some text fields some of them are just plain character vectors some of them are vectors of character vectors some of them are maybe even nested more uh, maybe some of them are character matrices and i want to reverse the text itself right that means text i consider something that's a the last axis like the horizontal sequence of letters. And I want that uh, reversed everywhere because I don't know who I'm dealing with some right to left stuff. Um, so what I want to do there is I want to reverse uh, at the depth of one. So the depth of zero would be simple scalar. So if I reverse those, nothing happens. If I reverse everything, then I just the outer array gets reversed. If I try to spam each operators everywhere, then I can only choose a single level where they want where I want that yeah. to happen. But if I saying uh, reverse depth one, then it will traverse the array looking for subarrays that have depth of uh, of one and then when it finds those it will reverse them and continue. Um one. And the last one is reverse composition um or 
before or behind, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> which is yes. almost the counterpart to the, the old compose operator um, in uh, in APL. But the the idea is just that you you preprocess the left argument and to a function using some other function, yeah. and then you use it. And you can currently express that with like a funky jot swap. swap a couple again. Of, yeah, so construct yeah. which is a little bit hairy. What is it? F jot. F commute uh right, jot F... G commute or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. F commute jot G commute. Yeah, it becomes unreadable, especially if you try to use multiple of them. Uh, yeah. So and that that one there's a lot of constructs you can use that for. Oh, and then and then we added to that that if you don't give it a left argument, then it will use the right argument. So it has an implicit uh, commute commute actually. <laughs> well, not commute commute. Tilde diaris is tilde diaris is because if it's used monadically, then it's so selfie. So it's like hooky, hookish. It yeah it's yeah. What well, another name it could be called is just hook. It is yeah. a, a, it is not the same hook as in in uh, as in J, um, because it's reversed. But it is a hook, mm. um, and and it's called hook because if you th if you think about how uh, how fishing hook looks, it's like straight in the middle, and then and then it has like a bend out to one side. Mm. So it's like okay, let's say you have the two sides coming in. One of them gets pre-processed by being speared on this this little hook, and the another okay. one not, and then they just go together on the on the middle part that's straight. Uh, that's one way you could think of it as a hook. Another way you could think of it is that it's the loop that's the central part, and the, the two sides coming out from the loop, one is short, one is long. So one of them does something special, the other one doesn't. Right. So, um, it's a hook, but yeah. There are a lot of. Uh, and that's just that, yeah. That just leads to a bunch of uh, nice, concise expressions for a few things, or a bunch. Of you things. can you can check whether something is a awkward, is a palindrome by doing uh, reverse behind match. So that it's a it's a hook. So it, it's a, it's the main function is. Oh, uh, which we currently express as a train with attack. That's one way to do it. So you, but which way do you? Which, on which side of the match do you put the reversal, left or right? Yep. Um, so, and and I actually like it that there's only one. There would only be one hook operator because then we don't have that issue. Which side should you put it on? There's only one. You can one side you can put it on. Mm. Um, so the idea is that the main function is match, and then we and then we use the same argument, the input, say race car, and on the on both sides, but we preprocess on the left with and with a reversal so race car reverses to itself and then we match it up with itself it's true um so and you can do obviously you can do any of these things already it's just ranging from awkward to awkwarder the most definitely the most awkward thing to do today would be what the depth operator does then you have to recurse by hand yes Always i'm hairy. currently playing with some things that are so there's like a, some internal discussion about like how to handle trees, which are nested structures. Oh yeah, right. But essentially, and then that's what nested arrays are as well, right? So you're you've got lots of options. A nested vector is like a a, 
a close analogy to like a traditional kind of tree idea or like a vector of nested vectors, whatever. Right. Um, but what about like nested matrices where you've got a shape on top and stuff? Um, the reason I'm thinking about this is some kind of simplified uh, GUI framework where the shape of your page is actually the shape of an array you construct. Um, but it's very much just a less than an idea in my head right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but when I started playing with it, I was like, oh, do I need to like traverse? So I ended up building those, uh, the recursive version. You just sort of say, are we at depth one? If so, do the thing. Otherwise, right. they'll each um, and, and, and go down. That's like your typical recursive traversal thing. But then I'm like, oh, but can I do this using depth parent vectors? Oh, but then how do I care about the shape? Do I have to treat those things in the asshole orthogonal? Because like, now I'll do it in ravel. <laughs> now I'll do it in ravel order, and I'll keep the shape separately. So I end up with this kind of new um, array type that it has. That is, it's a flat representation implementation of a nested matrix or vector, where you've got the shape, and then you have the tree that describes the depth of the ravel of elements. I think that's probably going to be feasible. Um, whether it becomes pleasant to use or not, it remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did, but when I, when I was making those, you know, little recursion things, I did think, oh, depth has been cool. Cause then I can just do shape and then my function with the depth one boom sorted. Um, maybe I should, maybe I should whip that out to play with. Cause we've got, the, you've got the models there. Yeah. While, while I'm playing, while I'm developing this thing, which is very much in a just playing around state, I could definitely use it and see if it is nice. There, there are other things you can do. Um, there are sometimes you want to like traverse all the x's of an array, um, and then maybe with a function that increases the depth. So let's say you want to partition a matrix into little um, sub matrices. Oh, like the, so the, you, so the you quadrants, want to, the yeah. So, so you want to partition it along one axis, and then you want to partition each one of those along the other axis. So mm. notice here that it's each one of those. But that problem is the first, once you partition it once, then the depth increases by one step. And now you want to apply the same function on each one of them. So by having a depth operator, you can apply a single function that defined in terms of depth and just apply it twice. Just mm. uh, and then do a. Uh, do a transpose or whatever, whatever you need to do, but it can be done. Or you could reduce over the collection of the axes and the original array, and then you can use the same consistent function to reduce with because it knows how to handle the increasing depth as you go along. Mm. So there, there are some tricks like that uh, that you can do. Nice. Yeah. And the first, for select, it just comes up so much; it's painful. <laughs> you have to enclose. Yes, there's only one function that you that it saves you with the enclosure there, but but then when you want to index multiple times into the same array, it's just. I also think more... conceptually, when you get started with API, you have this like, oh, so how do you select elements from array? You got this thing. And you, yeah. Gonna go along. Okay, first you like, uh, uh, you put a list of numbers into some square brackets, and you get a list of elements out from your list. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. Great. 
Perfect. I'm done. No, hold on. If you've got two, you know, if you've got more axes, now you need to put semicolons, and then if they're empty, do this. And if you've got a scalar <laughs> in there, you might end up getting something, uh, or if you're using a variable, which uh, is a scalar in one case and a vector in another yeah, case, they end up getting axis, a shape yeah. or, you know, okay, select wouldn't actually help that. But, uh, but the point is that, like, uh, you know, for the simplicity and the constraints you get in APL, certainly at the start, uh, indexing is a bit of a hairy topic. And then when you get add depth on top of that nested stuff where, and, and then, so that's fine. You've sort of maybe been shown that just with square brackets to start. And then, but then you start seeing all these examples with like, now you've got pick and then squad and you've got, uh, and they behave, you know, like you say, you've got these fiddly things around there and you have to it's just a sort of rabbit hole of fiddliness you have to navigate. But this, this function would do what you expect it to do. That's what, that's, that. that's what I was thinking. That's what I'm hoping it would simplify those explanations as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it will be met with a lot of usage. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, I thought we were going to go over a whole lot more, um, but time's up. We can continue this. Now we've got material. And... If you do not want us to speak about uh, <laughs> what primitives we would want to have and what and and what just would be nice, then uh, contact at apl.show. Let us know what you think we should take up. Yeah, we do. We do have a, uh, a big page of like vague ideas, but yeah, the problem is they're vague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine. Cool. Thank you for listening. Thank you for speaking with me today, Adam. Yeah, thank you.